students, staff, alumni, neighbors, friends. Welcome to the Because We're Lutheran podcast from Pacific Lutheran University. You don't have to be a Lutheran to listen, but we do hope by the end of these conversations, you'll think there's something pretty interesting, maybe even compelling, about Lutheran higher education. I'm University Pastor Jen Rood, and I'll be your host. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about Lutheran higher education. Like, what is it? How does it happen? And why does it matter? And so I have with me Dr. Merritt Trelsted, faculty in the PLU Religion Department and Chair of Lutheran Studies. So here are some interesting things about Merritt to get us started. Merritt has taught on the religion faculty at four ELCA Lutheran colleges for a total of 24 years. That's very impressive. She's also an outdoor enthusiast and grew up skiing, both water and snow, um, has backpacked, she guided for a Lutheran Bible camp, kayaked, and she took a college canoeing class at her Lutheran Liberal Arts College of St. Olaf. We'll have to talk to PLU about adding a canoeing class. I think so. All right. So with that as an introduction, we're going to dive in. So, Merritt, can you talk about your spiritual or religious background? Sure. I grew up Lutheran, and questions about meaning were always important to me, even Mm -hmm. as a small child, kind of almost ridiculously so. (laughs) I can totally imagine that. I love it. Yes. So I uh, was always really engaged. My... um, both my parents worked in the church. My dad is a Lutheran pastor, and uh, my mom supported him entirely and was an educator mm-hmm. herself. But uh, so I kind of grew up under the church desk, um, <laughs> I would say, like literally yeah. playing under the church desk in churches. But um, but I was uniquely drawn to it my whole life and also questions of uh, meaning, importance, questions about the nature of God. Yeah. All of these things were important to me, so... Yeah, compassion, uh, mm-hmm. what it meant. I think my mother said she knew I was heading someplace when I. she said that I thought that maybe a grape felt bad because it had that stem oh. stuck in it and oh. it might not feel good. So I was always looking at angles of uh, compassion mm-hmm. and meaning and things yeah, like that. Yeah, a lot of empathy. It sounds like you drew from both the religious upbringing and the teaching upbringing. True. So you've been a faculty member at PLU for 17 years. Yeah. Um, what do you love most about teaching at PLU? Oh, I love so much about teaching at PLU. I think the kinds of conversations I get to have with other people, Mm -hmm. um, students and faculty, but especially students, where I get to talk with them about what their biggest ideas and deepest values and um, ideas are. What, how they were raised, what they're thinking now, and helping at, uh, offering them good questions to kind of further their thought. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of questions that students bring are a source of inspiration and excitement for me every day. So teaching is always new because you always have new people you're interacting with. And um, so every time, I, I just think that, that kind of level of conversations we get to have about things that mean the most to us is really uh valuable thing to me. And Mm -hmm. it's exciting. Yeah. You mentioned this aspect of sort of critical questioning, which is one of the values of Lutheran higher education. Um, As a teacher, how do you encourage and inspire students to ask those big questions? Well, first off, I'd have to say that students, mostly when I ask them, uh, what would you say are your deepest values? Where do they come from? Uh, What would you say your kind of purpose of your life is? Mm -hmm. 
I find that students say, nobody has ever asked me those questions. Really? Okay. Yes. And so um, I think they're like the most significant questions in life. And there's a dearth of people who talk about them in our culture, in our society, and there's not a lot of places to do it. Mm -hmm. So in class... Um, no matter what the student's faith background is, I try to help them look at what are the sources of their beliefs, what is their relation to the history that they've been given, uh, faith histories or lack of faith history that they've been given, mm -hmm. um, how they see faith in the media, et cetera, like that, or religion in the media. But to really uh, help them ask the right questions about um, how their ideas fit together the sources of their ideas, the history of their ideas, and then um, what, where are they now in their life journey, and then how to make their faith ideas actually mature and match where they are now. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of internal questioning as well as looking at the world and being able to ask those critical questions. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we read a lot of material in my classes. I teach in the Christian tradition, Christian theological tradition, and Lutheran studies. But um, I have Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish, mm -hmm. Christian students, secular students who are all in the classroom. And we use that same material to say, here's one, uh, one way someone has approached it. What about you? Uh, when it comes down to your sources, your history, or how are your ideas structured, what are your deepest values, then um, always turning the table back and asking those critical questions in the classroom to help people have to allow people to have the space to develop those ideas. and the But it's a privilege to be there while people are doing that, too. Yeah, and to accompany them as they figure out what that means for their own lives. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Lutheran Studies, and you are the chair of Lutheran Studies at PLU, as well as a religion professor. Um, so one of the things you get to talk a lot about is, what is Lutheran higher education? So what would you say, um, what is Lutheran higher education, especially if you're talking to people who don't really know what Lutheranism is? Yeah. I would say, well, first off, the Catholic tradition, like the Jesuits and Dominicans, they have just years ahead of us yes. on this. They've really developed a coherent message across all of the traditions, where I think the Lutheran tradition for a long time was able to relax into kind of a cultural or religious, you know, identity population. And here at PLU, we don't really have that same connection because we have lots of people from lots of different mm -hmm. variety of backgrounds now, which is great and real asset. So in our context, Lutheran higher ed has to do with a distinct form of education, as well as a form of education that asks you to bring your whole self to your education. Mm, yes. And I could say a little bit more about that, yeah. of saying, um, I think the distinct form I had given, oh boy, now I'm going to I'm going to use my cheat sheet, but I also um, tried to make an acronym that tour guides at PLU, the student tour <laughs> yeah. guides, could know right. and remember because they're asking People ask all the about time, that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I said you could maybe use the acronym CALLS to do this. And critical questioning is something that's actually critical inquiry and learning is actually in our mission statement, mm -hmm. which is a unique mission statement. Questioning and inquiry is not always in mission statements yeah. for universities. So uh, the C would be that critical inquiry. 
And A is access for all. I'm I'm actually doing this without looking at my notes. So I'm far. impressed and I'm yes. taking notes so I can use this. <laughs> so A I used as access to education for all because one of the things that stunned me was learning that uh, Martin Luther in the 1500s and the Lutheran Pro- and Protestant Reformations started the first publicly accessible state-funded education for all people Mm -hmm. um, ever in the history of the world. So both genders, all economic backgrounds, rich or poor, everybody was given access to education for the very first time. Which is revolutionary. Yeah. Totally revolutionary Mm -hmm. in world history, really. Mm -hmm. So that's the A. Um, L has to do with a liberating education in the liberal arts, which the liberal arts was meant to be an education for free people, not for slaves and for servants and people like mm-hmm. this, but um, people who are going to shape society. So to be a free person, you had to have this basis. Um, I had also the idea of leadership and service are the next two. So the idea of we're called to be leaders, but Lutheran liberal arts really emphasizes the fact that it's for service to others. And this was something even Martin Luther talked about People said, well, if it if say uh, helping people doesn't add to my own sense of salvation, why would I help? Or mm-hmm. like it doesn't look good on my resume or it doesn't do anything for me religiously. Like, why would we do good things? And mm-hmm. Martin Luther's response was because people need help. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. the answer of why should I serve others is because they need help. So that idea of you're called, uh, you're called and your education is for a purpose. It's not just for yourself and your job mm-hmm. and your individual advancement or even your family's advancement, but it's actually a service to a community and to the world. So the question is, uh, who will you serve mm-hmm. is one of the good questions we get to ask. Who do you want your life to serve and what what do you want your life to serve? Uh, when I said the the education for the whole self Um, That's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because um, colleagues in the religion department, we've talked about the distinction between in some secular universities, if you bring up the ideas of the holy or the sacred, um, quite literally, those ideas are categories that aren't really allowed in conversation, in academic conversation. Mm So one of my colleagues, Suzanne Crawford O'Brien, said at the University of Santa Barbara, for example, one of her colleagues was a Native American student who said, to us, this ground is sacred. Mm. And um, the professor looked at the student and said, you can't use that word or that's not a thing. It's not real. Sacred is a socially constructed idea. And, and there's, there's no room for that in this classroom. There's no yeah. room for that mm-hmm. in your dissertation mm. or in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You can't write it, wow. even in your papers. Um, you can't talk about it as though it's real, the sacred or the holy, mm-hmm. um, because that's um, it's not how we approach it here. It's a social or anthropological uh, category. Mm-hmm. Um, but And the student who is an, an indigenous person said, no, I really do mean I think the land is sacred. And... Um, some of the things that the people in the religion department and myself, we've talked about what we love about PLU is we get to bring rigorous academic questioning of all our faith traditions mm-hmm. and by questioning and analysis and kind of digging through things. But you also get to hold this idea that we um, we consider it real and substantive and we ask students to bring faith perspectives and religious perspectives and um 
understandings of the holy to their full education so they don't have mm-hmm. to leave that at the door. But we also, contrary to some other schools that might be religiously affiliated, don't demand a kind of uh, religious conformity or uh, that people have to adhere to certain doctrines. Mm-hmm. So we are open and welcoming, uh, but also we want students to bring their whole selves and not leave this um because many people in the world are religious. Mm-hmm. Most um, of the world's population engages religion as a real experience. And mm-hmm. uh, to leave that out of education seems like a real um, sad thing, really. So to welcome students to bring their whole selves to their academics and to really bring their spirituality, their faith, and their best rigorous questioning and academic minds. Yeah. Thank you, Merritt. Yeah. You mentioned Martin Luther, of course. I feel like I, this might be a quote I should check with the Lutheran Studies Chair. Something around, um, God doesn't need your good works, right? So that's not how we earn salvation, but right. your neighbor does. Yeah. Our neighbor needs us to be active in the world. We talk about that at PLU as vocation, um, this idea of your strengths and your gifts meeting the world's deep needs. So can you talk a little bit about how your vocation has evolved and then how you encourage or support the vocational development of your students? Oh, it's a really good question. Well, I think I had I had mentioned that there uh, I've done a bunch of different jobs, right. um, at least while I was doing school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from being a waitress and uh, working at REI mm-hmm. and uh, being a youth director for a little while at a church in Colorado. But I found that I liked the conversations and the questions, and what I liked the most was that educational aspect. So I went back to seminary, thought I might be a pastor, but I was always the student in the back of the room with their hand up saying, (laughs) but how could you say that when this person, this person, and this person have this idea? Like, why would we only think that idea if, you know, there's all these other scholars who have different ideas? So I was kind of a pesky student, I guess, (laughs) because I was always trying to ask questions and questions. So you value your pesky students as well. I do. (laughs) And I also um, had... You know, so I would I'd write I wrote a sermon and in my preaching class I was told you couldn't end a sermon on a question oh. <laughs> where I thought it was a great place to leave. <laughs> where it was a yeah, great keep place to about leave this. the yeah. sermon, you know, to ask a question at the end. So I think my professors, what was kind of funny was that I had professors writing on things saying from college through seminary, and I was accepted to go to graduate school actually in English. And I found myself not responding to the acceptance letter, mm-hmm. uh, that I just wasn't really that passionate about it. So I went to seminary, and while I was there, I was the pesky student with too many questions. And uh, But then they had... My professors kept writing on the bottom of my papers, have you thought about teaching hmm. in religion? Mm-hmm. And I thought they were just trying to get rid of me because I was a pesky <laughs> student. And I was Here like, they were encouraging you. I and... was like, no, I'm going to be a pastor. Oh. I'm going to be a pastor with questions. Mm-hmm. But then um, after we had a career counseling session and the person had said, well, people like you, you can work in institutions and you tend to be change agents because you have questions. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, but you also tend to be really happy and effective as teachers 
Have you thought about that? And so I think after enough people on enough papers and enough assignments had written that same thing that I started thinking, well, maybe I would like that. Mm -hmm. And actually, once I switched tracks, it was an all clear, all go. And I, uh, it was just completely clear to me. So I went to graduate school the next fall. I applied. I only applied to one school that I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. I went there and then they mentioned that academics don't get jobs. And so you have to have a backup plan. And I refused to go to any of those (laughs) sessions because I was like, Uh no, this is what I want to do. And I'm going for it. So and I started teaching at Cal Lutheran at the same time while I was doing graduate school. So it got my got me going in working in Lutheran higher ed. Too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever written on the bottom of one of your students' papers, hey, have you thought about teaching? Oh, completely. Yeah. I think uh, actually more than that, I think that they they will um, they'll come into my office or I'll write something like, hey, can you come by and talk sometime? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you see and you can just try it out. Not that you're a mind reader and none of us know what other people should do. Mm-hmm. That's an internal process. But you sometimes see certain gifts and students and you say, you have an interesting ability for systematic thought, for mm-hmm. example, or this, how are you going to use that in your work in elementary education? Mm-hmm. There are some students who, it's funny because even yesterday I was writing a letter of recommendation for a student who graduated a couple of years ago. And he said, in my first year, you said, maybe you want to be a religion major uh, because you seem to be interested in this, this, and this. And and he said, and I didn't listen. And I, he said, and I really, my advisor said, maybe I shouldn't do that. But I went into psychology. But now I'm applying for graduate school yeah. in religion. <laughs> right. We don't always listen right away. But it, no, you planted seeds. I certainly yeah. didn't. But I think those questions, it's helpful just to be, um, not that we know what students need to do, but maybe to share. What I've become more interested in doing is just sharing an observation mm-hmm. and seeing whether that rings true with a student or whether that seems kind of off kilter. And I think students seem pretty comfortable saying, wow, I don't I don't really think so. And it's like, okay, good. Well, then I'm just in error, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but having other... someone reflect to us what they see in us right. can really help us figure out our, our calling or our path. Yeah. And Ways gifts. that we might not see yet or... Or maybe at all, <laughs> but right, we yeah, might not we can see test it out. all of those abilities for mm-hmm. systematic thinking or for different kinds of care. Mm-hmm. Other students seem so clearly called to being pastors, and um, and that, as you know, that's a a hard vocation yeah, to kind of sometimes. think like yeah. To, yeah. It, sometimes it might be very clear, and other mm-hmm. times it's um, yeah. So mm-hmm. a variety of callings. So one of the interesting things about being in the religion department is that you see a whole diversity of students, not just religion majors and minors, because as part of our general education curriculum, students get to take one religion class in the Christian tradition and one in the non-Christian tradition. So can you talk a little bit about what's behind that requirement and what do you see as the value of that? Oh, yes, I certainly can. I think, well... I mean, there there's the simplistic answer of saying we have Pacific Lutheran University. So to have somebody graduate and not have any idea about anything in the Christian tradition mm-hmm. might broadly might be a very odd thing to yes. have a graduate have no idea about anything. But uh, more importantly, I think the co- my colleagues in the department and I at a really basic level think that 
we're very, very rarely asked to think about and critically analyze our deepest values and our religious values Mm -hmm. and be able to think about them well, be able to ask questions of ourselves, analyze and think about them well. And a lack of critical thought about one's own religion and about other people's religious traditions is dangerous in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that we joked about making T-shirts Maybe we'll actually do it that says unexamined religious ideas kill. Yeah. <laughs> and I, unexamined true. Yes. ideas about religion kill. Yeah. And so, and by that, I mean it's helpful not only for one's own faith tradition or one's own understanding, if you're a secular student, one's own understanding of their own deepest values, but looking at one's own ideas also helps you. Think, I think more empathetically about why other people might think have their ideas mm-hmm. as well. So PLU is one of the few places at a, at some schools that are religiously affiliated, you won't be asked to kind of analyze and critically examine and maybe try to contextualize your tradition so mm-hmm. clearly. And then at secular universities, you also may not be given that opportunity to think critically about religion, but also to value it and its role. But here at PLU in the classroom, I think what we're trying to do is in the Christian tradition, we want people to have some familiarity with that because the Christian tradition has shaped a lot of Western culture and civilization. It continues to be extremely important sociologically, Mm -hmm. politically, uh, religiously in the United States and our engagement with the rest of the world and across the world, really. Um, So being able to think about Christianity well is going to help you in any vocation you're called to, whether it's economics, business, teaching, politics, law. You just have to be literate Mm -hmm. in the importance of religion on those. And then having a global religious tradition requirement allows you to take a course in Islam, Judaism, Native American religious traditions, Chinese East Asian traditions. Um, So in those contexts, too, to understand and be able to think about other people's religious traditions is a huge asset that our students have going into, I would say, the workforce that other people don't have. I can give an example uh, very briefly of a friend who was a religion and biology major. She works at the Department of Natural Resources, She does a lot of policy for them. She's called all all the time to talk about, they say, okay, we know like religion comes into factor in all of these decisions about the environment, Mm -hmm. but none of us were trained to think about religion at all. So she's got a asset to bring to that conversation Huge. yeah even mm-hmm. though she's she's like i listen i only had a couple classes they're like that's <laughs> a more couple than classes yeah. more than we have we yeah. have no ability to think about this mm-hmm. and how it impacts the world where you're at least having you've had a couple classes so can you help us think yeah. about this at the department of natural resources mm-hmm. so i think it's a it's a literacy and it's a form of empathy that we can mm-hmm. offer to our students that is really unique and really important in the world right now with all the like crises that are going on and conflicts. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last question is uh, Lutherans just had a big year. We honored the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We talked a lot on our campus about the sort of ongoing nature of reform. So what do you see as the next wave of Reformation at PLU 
Or if you want to think more broadly about Christianity or Lutheranism, what's this next wave of Reformation that we should be thinking about? At PLU, I think that our Reformation is going to continue to be how to translate the mm. heritage and the tradition of the Lutheran, our university's Lutheran heritage and tradition mm -hmm. to a very diverse and secular crowd and uh, to do that well. And I think that mm -hmm. we've got a good start on that, but yeah. that's something that we kind of continue to grow into. In the Lutheran tradition, I think that Lutherans, as was mentioned on maybe a couple of your other podcasts, the Lutheran Church, I think, has started to become kind of a, a leader of thinking about of keeping your religious tradition and your religious identity, and yet also expanding and expanding to understand and reach out and engage the social political world outside mm -hmm. of Lutheranism. Mm -hmm. And so I see that for a little while, maybe Lutheranism had that, again, that more cultural enclave kind of experience of being a little bit more secluded and, mm -hmm. and much more German, Norwegian, Swedish. You know, there was a real strong kind of cultural element to it where I think now the church has moved and is moving and continuing to move into how to address kind of current situations and feeling less afraid and protective about its doctrine, but actually using its ideas and doctrines and beliefs as a kind of launching place to launch into the world rather than to kind of hide from change mm, in the world. Mm -hmm. One of the phrases we use at PLU is strong center, open door. This mm, idea that nice. we have a rootedness to who we are and we know that we live in a multicultural, pluralistic, diverse world. And how do we engage that, I think, is a helpful way to think about that. It's strong center, open door. That's right. I think I, I had the experience of being on an ELCA task force. Mm -hmm. And there was one of those times where we were talking and and you could say, well, we can write documents that pretend that the world isn't changing around <laughs> us. Right. And kind of do the ostrich in the sand, mm -hmm. you know, head in the sand kind of routine. But the world will keep changing. And the more we try to do that, the more out of touch and kind of dead our tradition mm -hmm. will be. And so if we choose to do that, that's an, that is a choice we can make. But we have to understand that the world will keep moving mm -hmm. and changing. Or we can try to figure out how to use what we've been given as good tools for the journey and keep up, understand, and, yeah, have that flexibility and rootedness mm -hmm. all at the same time. And that way of engaging the world is really rooted in our tradition, right? Martin Luther didn't just stay in the monastery or stay in the church. He really did engage the politics and um, and religious aspects of his day. He was engaged in the world. So we have and a good model. he changed so yeah, much, right, actually, right. in his yeah, time. In education and religion. That's right. So, Merritt, I'm delighted that you um, were that pesky student and yeah. <laughs> that you asked those questions and continue to ask those questions, especially as we think about what does it mean to be a Lutheran university. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thanks for inviting me. This has been another episode of Because We're Lutheran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>